Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rerun Shuffle, the podcast where we hit shuffle and take a fresh look at Comfort TV. Uh, my name is Tim Nacy. I am the multimedia editor around here, uh, a podcaster, and I'm also just so very tired already, which is a great sign for this early in the semester. The semester hasn't even started yet. <laughs> yeah, we have, we're pre-recording this, so like, <laughs> we haven't even... Oh, God, I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it. Neither, neither of us will make it. Uh, the other voice that you are hearing is that of my co-host, Leo Cabral. Thank you, Tim. As you heard, I am Leo Cabral. I am the editor-in-chief at Viewpoints, um, your local Riverside City College newspaper. I use they-them pronouns. I am a queer, trans, non-binary multimedia journalist, and I am also very tired. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a crazy back-to-school issue. Oh, yeah, it has. But it's um, <laughs> at the time of this recording, it will definitely be out by by then, yep. The, the paper is circulated. It's out. It's ready to go. We are uh, we're in business. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Tim, what have you been watching? Well, I've been. Um, this is the show that I kind of I watched the first episode and then I kind of fell off a little bit. Like not not because it was bad or anything. I just figured, you know what, I've got other stuff I need to be doing right now, so I can't really be back every single week. Fair. Uh, Disney Plus um, has been running The Book of Boba Fett, which is the latest uh, Star Wars thing. Love all the Star Wars content. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel like every week <laughs> talking about something, something on Disney Plus, usually Star Wars related. They're just, just going to keep pumping it out until it's... It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But yeah. let me tell you something, though. This has been one of the wildest seasons of television I've ever witnessed in my life. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of backstory here. Uh, back in 2019, uh, Disney Plus started running this little show called The Mandalorian. I remember that. Um, Star Wars fans were excited because this was the first major piece of live action television material we've seen in Star Wars since uh, pretty much since the holiday special. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and um so, so fans were excited, but it ended up kind of setting the world on fire by introducing Grogu. Uh, and this is the one and only time you'll ever hear me call him by that name and not his true name, which is Baby Yoda. <laughs> I, I won't use the name. I, I, I refuse. Baby Yoda. Even the writers of the Book of Boba Fett agree that Grogu's a stupid name. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> as a character played by uh, Amy Sedaris, uh, you might, people might recognize her as um, Princess Carolyn. Her voice is Princess Carolyn from um, Bojack Horseman. She voices Baby Yoda? No, she no, she voices or not she doesn't voice. She plays she plays another character that like really likes Baby Yoda. Oh. And at one point she was just like at one point she's like 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 I guess I guess like he, he like communicated communicated with her like that was his name. Uh. And she's like Grogu. That's a terrible name. I'm sorry. Oh. Little <laughs> 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 ears went down too. Poor um, thing. Okay, so I got ahead of myself and re- and revealed that that uh, yes we do see. Grogu and the Mandalorian in this in this in the season. I guess that's uh, slight slight spoilers, but I think the whole world's the whole, the, the, there have been memes all over the place of, uh, of, yeah. that that happened. But yeah, so yes, the uh, the Mandalorian went for two seasons, which ended with a post credit scene that was a teaser for this show. And everybody was confused. Like, so is it like the Mandalorian colon the Book of Boba Fett? Or uh, is the Book of Boba Fett a different thing? Is this a TV show? Is this a movie? What is what what is all this? What is the, what is all this about? I honestly didn't know what to expect. Uh, I've honestly never really been Boba Fett's biggest fan. I he's never really impressed me all that much. Oh wow! Uh, but I was very dazzled by what I saw in this show. <laughs> so yeah, this this does this is a sort of a, it, it's 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 like partially a spinoff because Boba Fett did appear in an episode of The Mandalorian in season two. 
Uh, but it's also sort of a light continuation because, yeah, the Mandalorian, who is a character named uh, Din Djarin and Baby Yoda. And Baby Yoda. They factor heavily into the back half season of, 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 of this season. So it, it is somewhat of a continuation of, of, of that thing. It kind of it kind of gets us into, like, the new era of the Mandalorian because season two kind of came to a definitive end. And a, a, a little bit. There was a, I, 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 I'm already. I already spoiled a little bit of um, Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to like stack on spoilers for the Mandalorian. You know, just uh, hey, welcome to Reven Shuffle. Here's a ton of spoilers Here's for giant you. Giant Star Wars spoilers for you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but with the with the inclusion of uh, of 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 Din and Baby Yoda. They made a big mess of the show <laughs> because this because because originally it was a pretty straightforward story about Boba Fett played by uh, Tamura Morrison who um, most people would probably uh, a lot of people recognize as he played all the clones in uh, in the in the Star Wars prequels. Mm-hmm. He comes back because Boba Fett was actually he was a clone of Jango Fett that had the whatever the DNA tweak that caused them to age fast. He had that taken out of him, so. They just they just created like a they just created like a like a like a like a like a you know seven eight year old like kid version of Django Fett and just had and, and just and just and just allowed him to age normally as like like as a normal kid. Hmm. Even though you are actually like genetic material from your dad, which like just, just straight straight a direct genetic copy of your dad, which is just that that would be too weird for me, honestly. Oh my god! So if you <laughs> want to talk about genetic copies of your dad, like if he once I transition, I'm gonna look exactly like my father. It's gonna be weird. I'll show you pictures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it follows uh, Boba Fett and uh, Fennec Shand, who's played by uh, Ming Na Wen. Um, Many will likely recognize her voice as Mulan. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, or maybe Agent May from Agents of Shield. I don't know. I don't know who watched Agents of Shield. <laughs> I did not. So sorry. <laughs> um, and they're trying to take over Jabba the Hutt's criminal enterprise after it went down in Return of the Jedi. Um, I feel like they stuck the landing, but we were telling this crime story for a little while there, and then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, Boba Fett's not even going to be in this episode. <laughs> This is this is all going to be about Din Djarin in this one. Okay. And um, in, the, in the episode after that, oh, but, uh, Boba Fett's going to be in this one, but it's only going to be for like it's only going to be for like for like for like two minutes, and then finally we get back to this big, just absolutely bonkers season finale that I honestly couldn't believe I was witnessing. And what's I, honestly what's really great about this show, and that's kind of why it kind of dazzled me so much, was that. One of my biggest frustrations with Star Wars lately has been the just the the the, the degree to which it's been stuck in nostalgia, mm. you know. Because I mean, Star Wars originally started as a bit of a nostalgic piece. You know, George Lucas was nostalgic for those old school sci-fi serials that he used to love. He was nostalgic for those old samurai movies and westerns. That's true. But after but after a while, you know, the snake started eating its own tail and Star Wars became the institution and not just this quirky little <laughs> genre homage. And then and suddenly we're getting we're getting Star Wars movies like Rogue One, for example, that are nostalgic for itself. You know, it's nostalgic for old Star Wars movies as opposed to something on the outside. Like the, in in the same way as the the original Star Wars was inspired by say like Flash Gordon, <laughs> Rogue One is inspired by the original trilogy, and it's just a very weird situation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, at some point, all these Star Wars 
things end up being super self-referential. I've noticed. And what, what's but what's annoying too about that is that I feel that there, there there are a lot of Star Wars fans out there who they they love that they love to just they 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 love the self-reference they love the they love the nostalgia, and that's why when the Last Jedi came out, all, all, all the people in that group they lost it because that one because that movie actually actively challenges your nostalgia and says that by being mired in the past you are limiting yourself and limiting the future. I mean, it's and, a fair point. And uh, people, people didn't want to hear that. <laughs> how and, dare you break our nostalgia? Seriously, how, how dare you suggest that our nostalgia is not the greatest thing in the world? And I, I've, got a lot, I've, I've, got a very, I've got very little patience, honestly, for that kind of like overly, overly like, um, you know, re- referential nostalgia. Like mm-hmm. I, I was not the world's biggest fan of, I, I finally got around to seeing Ghostbusters Afterlife a while ago. I liked it more than I thought I would, hmm. but at the same time, it did get a little syrupy in like how much he's just reminding you, trying to trying to remind you, and trying to make you cry with how much you loved the original Ghostbusters. Oh, I see. And and and, and like honestly, it, it was also funnier than I thought it would be that movie because the trailers didn't make it look funny at all. Like it looked like a superhero movie. And I was like hmm. looking at it like, so like I, I'm just be blown away that she found Egon Spengler's um, jumpsuit. I'm like, th- those are work clothes. Like one day I'm gonna look in my closet and I'm gonna see my Krispy Kreme T-shirt. I'm not gonna be like, oh my god. <laughs> you know, I, no, I was like, no, that was a, that was a, that was a, that, that, that was a, that was gonna be a probably very greasy, awful T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> that I wore every single day for a while there. It's it's anyway. I, I digress. Um, mm-hmm. What's great about Book of Boba Fett is that uh, the the creator uh, Robert Rodriguez uh, he veers it into other into other into other like genre homages. There's a little bit of like cyberpunk in this Ooh. one. Um, there's some kaiju stuff later oh, on in the season. You know, it, it, there, there's imagery in this show that you wouldn't believe popped up in a Star Wars story, but you still kind of buy it. Even Boba Fett himself. He proved himself to be a really great, very interesting character because because originally he was just a guy in a cool suit of armor, who just he was a, he was a tough guy. You yeah, know? you know he he's he's a loose cannon cop who plays who plays by his own rules. Um, in this, you know he like they 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 kind they, they kind of go off because you know I guess maybe spoilers for Return of the Jedi. Um, he goes down like a chump in that movie. Like he gets he get in like a very Three Stooges esque fashion. He gets pushed into the Sarlacc pit by a blind man. <laughs> <laughs> like like he, he goes down like nothing, uh. um, and they kind of they, and they, they kind of roll with that. You know, he's a little clumsy. He's a little impulsive. He doesn't always plan ahead. Uh, there's one there's one moment that I really love. Somebody tells him that he's gone soft in his old age, and usually when someone says that to somebody in a in an action story, they're like, "Oh, how dare you? I'm gonna mm-hmm. like beat your ass, you know, to prove that I haven't gone soft." Boba Fett keeps it totally calm and just says, "Don't we all?" Oh, love that. I'm like, I love it, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, d- just choose not to engage. Truly. <laughs> Play dead. Uh, some people are upset that he isn't the unstoppable badass they always pictured him to be, but he was never shown to be, really. Not not canonically. I think in some of the extended universe books, there was a little bit more badass Boba Fett, but never canonically. We've never been shown him to be that, to be all that cool. So I like that 
you know, we went with this more interesting version. I really, I really hope that we get to see more of its version of the character because he's really, he's, he's really, he's a really fun. So if, if you were hesitant about this show like I was, I really urge you to give it a shot. Uh, it may wake up your spark for Star Wars the way it did for me. If you've been a little, if you've been a little bit bored of all the nostalgia. Yeah, um, I got into, I watched all the Star Wars episodes and Rogue One, um, just to familiarize myself and see what the whole fuss was about. It's okay. So um, there's a there there is definitely a dimension of just having grown up with it, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. like I and that that I I do I do get a little frustrated with nostalgia, but that is a thing. I did I I did I, I have been watching Star Wars movies almost since birth, you know, and like I just yeah it's 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 in my DNA. You know, I, I, I can't help it. The, the, the couple times I've been to Disneyland to go to Galaxy's Edge, I almost melted. Like, yeah, I, I, so I just, I, I, have a, I, have, I, have a, I have a very deep love for Star Wars, and, that's, and that is um, built on nostalgia and, and, and how much I used to love these movies, even the, even the bad ones. You know, I, mm. do, I do love to go back and watch Attack of the Clones sometimes. Oh, man. <laughs> is that one a, a fun one? It's a wild movie. <laughs> So that that is my that is my weekly rant about Star Wars. <laughs> it's, a happy, it's a happy rant though, no toxicity here. Not this time. Um, so Leo, what have you been watching? Well, um, I wasn't really watching anything until last night, and then uh, my girlfriend was like, "Hey, there's this thing that Critical Role has come out with." Um, so Critical Role is this like D and D campaign thing that a bunch of prominent fi- uh, dude, f- fans of Critical Role are going to hate me because I don't know anything about Critical Role. It's a bunch of friends doing a and d campaign and it's r- really funny. They really flesh out their characters and they gained a huge following and a huge fan base to the point where they were able to crowdfund an animated series of their D&D campaigns. Oh, it's D&D. I thought this was the uh, League of Legends thing. I know, I know, no. I know, I know there was a League of Legends show on Netflix too that came out recently. Oh, I've watched that one. That one's interesting. It's actually not that bad. A lot better than I expected. But this is The Legend of Vox Machina. It's only on uh, Amazon Prime. But if you have a subscription, you can watch it for free. And we, boy, howdy, did we watch through it all last night. It's really good. I'm like, I'm surprised. I, I was, I kept asking her, like, this is all part of the campaign. Like these are their these people's characters. Like these people fleshed out these characters. Like like it's it's all based on their their adventures playing D- Dungeons and Dragons with each other. That's interesting. Is it um because I know there's another, there's another there's another show that I'm that, that I'm kind of picturing. Mm-hmm. Um I think I talked I think I talked uh when we did we did the community episode. Um I talked a little bit about um Dan Harmon's podcast Harmontown. Mm-hmm. And there was a segment on that show. Uh, where they would it kind of episodically at the end of each podcast, you know, for like forty five minutes or so, they would play. They would play D anD. d So it was something very similar happened. You know, their characters got fleshed out, and um, eventually those segments got so popular that they had this kind of short lived. Uh, it was an animated series called Harmon Quest, and with that one, uh, they would go and they would do these live shows where they would uh, they would they would they would they would they would record themselves playing D anD D in front of a crowd, and then yeah. they would send that to a they they would send that to an animation studio, and they would animate the action over I, it. Is that was that what this is like, or is this actually like a like a narrative? It is like series? that. It is like that. Um, they they usually they'll stream their 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 campaigns and then of course they had a lot of fans who just tuned in because I, these characters are really compelling um and hilarious honestly um and people took like their they don't start at the very beginning of their their or their first campaign they start like 
I think my my girlfriend said like their second or third campaign or like or their journey. Uh, but it's it, it references all the right stuff. It, it's it's directly taken from those streams of their campaigns, and it's animated. Um, again, they had to crowdfund it, which really cool. They got it done, and the animation is great. It's um, there's a little bit of 3D stuff in there. It's it's amazing. I might actually, I'm kind of interested in going back and going through Critical Role, but it's hours of content of just watching people play D and D, and you know, real life is like slowed down in campaigns because you know there's turns you have to it's a turn-based thing yes. rpg but yeah um it's the the show is really good really funny um it's definitely for mature audiences very gory very graphic a lot of <laughs> mature language uh and mature jokes uh, it's not uh, your discretion advised basically I, I might check this out actually I, I i had no idea what it even really was i've been seeing it around um mm-hmm. but um Honestly, like a a good version of Harmon Quest sounds pretty good because like Harmon Quest isn't like awful, awful, uh-huh. but they definitely didn't spend a lot of money on their animation, so it looks mm. kind of like a it looks kind of like a you know two thousand seven flash <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> I think that that might add to the charm, honestly. All right, so now might be a good time for us to segue into our show for this week. Yes. All right, so. Some background on Friends yeah, this week. Yeah, I feel like you can get real mad at both of us. <laughs> Somebody out there is probably going to get really mad at Oh, someone's going to take it personally, and I hope you do. I, yeah, I'm talking to you. The one who's <laughs> be be this better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to you personally. Choose a better sitcom. But yeah, so this episode is the one with the sonogram, um, but some background on Friends. It aired on NBC from September 22nd, 1994 to May 6th, 2004. There's 10 ungodly seasons of this show. I thought there were only nine. <laughs> There's 10. Oh, okay. <laughs> the show was created by David Crane and Marta Kaufman. It's about six friends in New York, basically. Um, Rachel, played by Jennifer Aniston. Monica, played by Courtney Cox. Ross, played by David Schwimmer. Phoebe, played by Lisa Kudrow, who is amazing. Joey, by uh, played by Matt LeBlanc. And Chandler, played by Matthew Perry. And it's just about their daily lives, their I guess. Da- yeah, their careers, mm-hmm. their dating. Love life, all that. Really, it's very low. It's very low concept. There really isn't a whole lot. <laughs> it's it, I, 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 I think I think on some level I do kind of like at least, at least early on. Like when I saw the first episode, I kind of thought I was a little bit hit to what they were doing with that show, which is like, I, 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 which, which, I, which I thought was interesting because you know this was this 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 had a very um, you know WB kind of um, kind of angsty drama kind of mm. feel to it, especially yeah. early on. Like I think the first episode ends with that one YouTube song. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, you know, it's just, I mean, um, regardless of likes on that song, it is very very it's very very angsty and very very like tortured and and and. Um, <laughs> Um, but what I what I I, I I thought I thought it was kind of a kind of neat that they were taking like let's, let's take an angsty relationship heavy soapy WB kind of drama and let's marry it with a sitcom mm. and um, usually like it's especially like you know early nineties late eighties and stuff sitcoms were sitcoms it was just yeah. it was just you know perfect strangers I think was still on the air right now you know and and it was just wacky hijinks. But this one was actually it wanted to like get more to the truth of the characters, and I appreciate that. Mm. I, whether or not they're successful in my eyes, that remains to be seen. But what they were trying, I can definitely get behind. Yeah, 
I, I always enjoy some wacky hijinks, honestly. Um, on to the one with the sonogram. Oh, with the sonogram at the end is what I learned in my travels. Is what the episode officially. Did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was looking through it. So, like on HBO Max, it just says the one with the sonogram. But on the wikis, on the wiki fandoms, it's the one with the sonogram at the end. So I was like really confused. But yeah, so the one with the sonogram at the end. <laughs> episode this is recap. Bizarre title. I just wanted to call that out. A lot of, I think all their episode titles are the one with, you know, lot with. Which, you know what, I will say, that's kind of funny because yeah. that is how you describe episodes of TV shows. And I, I, I appreciate they just kind of cut the cut the crap. That's, yeah, that's true. It's a lot like. <laughs> no puns. Um, <laughs> it's a lot like, uh, it's always sunny how they're always like, the gang blank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we open up with the ga- the gang, <laughs> not that gang, not that. I gang. wish it was that gang. But this it's not gang, th- this, this different gang. Yeah. <laughs> so the friends gang, they're all hanging out at Central Perk, which is a cafe where Rachel works. So the friends are all discussing the importance of kissing in sexual encounters. The gals are saying kissing is just as important as every aspect, and the guys are relating that to seeing a comedian opening up for Pink Floyd. This whole conversation was so uh, hard to deal with. It really was. It was the first thing, and I'm like, I, I, I heard this conversation, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. This is going to be a bad time for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I straight up looked over to my girlfriend, and we just, like, shared a look, like, of just... You could see that our souls were like leaving and transcending into a different realm because it was just like, wow, this is going to be great. (laughs) So, yeah, immediately opening with the differences of the sexes, it's just I I tune out whenever I hear people in real life go on about, you know, men versus women or the like the battle of the sexes. When you start saying like, oh, men are like this and men are like that. I just it's basic. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's honestly especially insufferable in this particular specific case because this is just an incredibly outdated idea if it was mm-hmm. ever relevant or true mm-hmm. I don't know it's that whole thing where it's like in, in media and cult- the, and in society in culture in media it's always like it's always hammered into you like men are like this girls are like boy men and girls men are like this women are like this and I'm just like y'all they're just perpetuating the gender binary which doesn't even actually exist yeah just like 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 what you like yeah although it is kind of psycho to not to not like kissing um um <laughs> I need to go now <laughs> okay yeah, yeah, okay maybe we should cut that I, I, no. I, 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 I didn't mean it that way I um no, I'm just kidding. I just, um, I just mean like when we're in like a like a like a sexual encounter, and you're just like, can we just get straight to the main part? Like, I can see how the kissing would, but <laughs> you're talking to an arrow ace right now. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I can see how kissing can benefit the because that's part of the. Okay, yeah, sorry, my brain is working it's it all whole, out. Right it's now. a whole. It's all. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a whole. Not 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 like, not to get too deep in the weeds, but yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole process, you know, and. <laughs> It just seems. It just seems. It just seems very, very weird to just go straight into specific parts of the encounter. Well, you got to lead into it. I know I that. That's much. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I guess that's what they're getting at in this. But it's it's very. Uh, it's a stupid, stupid idea that they, that, that, that they have on display here. Mm-hmm. This is falling off the rails already. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's uh, that's what makes these uh, that's what makes human interaction with between me and others always interesting. (laughs) 
because um, I feel like an alien. Here we go back to feeling like aliens. I always feel like, oh right, people like certain things. I have to like remember and put myself in that position. Like right. Yeah, and, and and I could I could definitely stand to be a little more aware of you know some people don't like other things. <laughs> I know because I was gonna I was even gonna get into like um guys not everybody likes kissing but then you were like no oh, people love kissing. <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah that, that was that was definitely that was definitely like yeah not 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 thinking outside of my own experience. It's so. fine. Okay. I was also not thinking outside my own experience, so we're good. And it's funny because here's here's like in the episode it's like girls love kissing guys hate kissing and then we're here like you're like oh kissing's great in the sexual encounter I'm like "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) it's hilarious this is this is why we do these things (laughs) all right let's uh get back in it so yeah um as you can see these 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 gendered takes are super outdated (laughs) um later later in the episode Ross is working on an early hominid display at the museum. Uh, the lady who's helping him starts ascribing modern gender roles to the male and female cave mannequins when his ex-wife, Carol, appears. And there's a lot of, there's so much tension on Ross's end. He's just a mess. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I guess maybe I'm a little bit of a snob in terms of physical comedy. You know, I, I put everybody up against the standards of Michael Richards or David Hyde Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while since I've seen Friends, but uh, in this episode, um, David Schwimmer not good at physical comedy at no. all. I, I like like that that thing. I mean, one one thing I will say was kind of funny mm-hmm. um, when he gives uh, when he gives uh, Carol that awkward hug, and he still has the mannequin arm that he that he accidentally ripped off of the hominid display. Yeah. Um. And like and like he puts it, ne- puts it puts it next to her head, and she's like and she's like trying to like <laughs> like like move her head away from it. That was that was kind of funny. Yeah. That um, that one was that one got me. But then when they kind of broke apart. And then, like, David Schwimmer made the decision to, like, twist to the back and then drop it behind him. I'm like, what? What was that? What What was supposed to make that funnier? I know, right? He, I, it would have been better if he just, like, tossed it to the side, maybe. I don't know. I just, I'm well, not a pro at physical comedy. It's just, yeah, I just, there was no organic reason for him to do the... For, for him to do the little, the little twist, like this, uh-uh. e- even when like there's arch physical comedy and something, like say there's like there, there's there's one episode of uh, of Frasier, where uh, Niles, played by David Hyde Pierce, is mm-hmm. is uh, remembering something traumatic from school uh, about being bullied. Fun. And there was a specific. Uh, he was he was ta- I think he was talking about getting swirlies, and um, oh. there was and and and, there, and there'd be like a group of kids around, and and and, and he was talking about, it. and then they would begin with their horrible chanting. There goes Crane down the drain. There goes Crane oh down the drain. And as he's and as he's saying that, he's like um, his his dad's his dad's chair. Um, he's like standing in front of his dad's chair, and as he's saying that, he's like he's like he's like um he's like he's like bending forward over the chair, like kind of like <laughs> melting. And it's like the funniest thing, but at the same time, it's a very arch movement. But you get why he's doing it, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And also, just like nobody moves stiffly like David Hyde Pierce. <laughs> it's just so funny. I love that. I really need to get on the Fraser train, the Crane train. Uh, so, when they make small talk, oh, Ross boy. asks Carol. Ross starts asking Carol a question, and Carol finishes his sentence with, uh, still a lesbian? Yeah. Well, you never know, he says. Uh, What kind of a jerk? (laughs) Like, come on now. Yeah, you'd be surprised how (laughs) some people handle people coming out as gay or lesbian. They're just like, oh, you're still that, huh? And it's like, obviously. (laughs) 
But yeah, so the small talk continues, and then Carol reveals she's pregnant. So yeah, so in uh, Monica's apartment, Chandler, Phoebe, and Joey are watching TV while Monica is frantically cleaning because her parents are coming over and she doesn't want to give them any more ammunition against her. You know, it's like I said, the the the, the hug thing with the mannequin arm that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it happens, you know. It, there, there there were talented people behind Friends. I may not care much for it as an entire piece, but mm-hmm. sometimes Friends can make me laugh. Mm-hmm. I got a good laugh out of the look Monica gave Ross when he was trying to touch the pillow, and like, and like everybody else was like legitimately. It was like, I think, I think, I think was like, no, don't, don't touch that. And the, and the, and I'm like, I'm like the, the, the look Monica gave him, like she was like legitimately about to kill him. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Monica, Monica's always, um, always been one of my favorites on this show. I, I, I really, I really enjoy um, Courtney Cox. Really, Phoebe is my favorite. I, I don't her, have a, her too. Yeah, I don't like many of the characters, but she's definitely my favorite. So, yeah, obviously Ross is the favorite of the two siblings, um, Monica and Ross. Uh, Very Everybody Loves Raymond. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to get to Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, So Rachel comes in to the living room and she says that she's lost her engagement ring, the ring that she has to return to to her ex-fiance, Barry, because she left him at the altar. And it turns out that the ring is in the lasagna. Monica can't bring herself to dig through it, and so it's up to the boys, uh, Joey, Chandler, and uh, and Phoebe, which I love that she's included in the boys. Uh, eventually, Rachel gets the ring back. Ross shows up at the door, and he's very morose, and uh, he lets Monica know that Carol is pregnant, and there's lots of what's and questions that fly by. I guess it's a proper reaction. It is. That does seem like it'd be quite... Overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, just whenever people are pregnant, I'm like, what? <laughs> so in this situation, I definitely get it. Like, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, how is this happening? Uh, Ross is all out of sorts, and he lets the others know that Carol says that he can be involved if he's comfortable with it. And they've invited him to a sonogram the next day to check out, you know, the gestation of the babe. While everyone is around Ross, basically hearing him out and consoling him, everyone hears dishware clatter around. <laughs> Um, everybody turns around and it's Joey going in hard on the lasagna as it's effectively ruined now. It just yeah, it's like what? It's still ruined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, something, honestly, just something. Just the, the 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 framing of that of that moment, like how how loud the fork was hitting the casserole dish, then the fact that it was like totally off screen for most of it, yeah. just really made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, that one was good. It's these small bits that definitely get me uh, chuckling here and there. Also, Joey's lack of investment in the situation is hilarious as well. Because oh, you know, yeah. lasagna, you know, everybody's occupied. Nobody's going to eat the lasagna. Might as well go for it. Uh, later that night, Monica and Ross's parents are over, and they are horrible. They really are. Cle- they're clearly throwing nothing but shade at Monica and worshiping Ross. And Ross is trying to keep things civil, but he's absolutely failing. Uh, Monica asks Ross to spill the beans about his situation to get the heat off of her. Things that her parents say are like, oh, spaghetti, that's easy. Like, okay, look, the lasagna was ruined earlier. But, of course, you can't tell her her mother that because then that'll just give her more ammunition. Mm -hmm. 
The dad says things like, I see these women, like, you know, other women. I see women trying to have it all, and I thank God our little harmonica doesn't seem to have that problem. Yikes. I'm like, whoa. I, I will say, as, as, as toxic as they both are, um, I really do enjoy the actors who play the, play the parents. I mean, Elliot Gould as the, as, the, as, the, as, the, as, the, as the dad has just always been really fun. The, 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 his delivery. Yeah. Thank oh, God, man. our little harmonica doesn't seem to have that problem. I'm sure he's weaponizing it towards her. Like, oh yeah, just constantly just berate, like just berating her. There's also some fat phobia and um, fat oh, shaming. Oh, honestly, yeah. Her whole um, Monica's whole backstory is is, so is is fat shaming. It's awful. Yeah, poor thing. Like her dad even talks about how she was like a lonely, uh, chubby girl who's just like stay in her room. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that is so. You don't have to keep, you know, just stop. She's already dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She doesn't need to be reminded of this. Ugh, it's gross. It's all horrible. Mm-hmm. So Monica forces Ross by um, pinning his hand with her elbow uh, to tell their parents about Carol being a lesbian and being pregnant with Ross's baby and how she plans on raising it with her partner, Susan, and Ross if he so chooses. This is a a lot. Um, Their mom turns to Monica and asks, and you knew about all this? That is like super toxic. She can't win. But don't get me don't get me wrong. It's very toxic. But it kind of destroyed me. Yeah. Um, it, honestly, like that 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 moment was probably my hardest laugh of the whole episode. It was honestly, it was a very everybody loves Raymond style joke. Mm, like I I, I, re- I really could imagine um, the, the 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 mom Marie yelling that at um, yelling at that at, yelling that at like at, like Robert who oh. is the uh, who is the Monica in their dynamic. I hate that there's a Monica in in so many dynamics. <laughs> Just love your children, y'all. Um, back at the Central Perk, everyone is talking about how terrible Ro- Rachel and Ross's parents are and um, and parents and si- sibling dynamics in general. Phoebe talks about her career-driven twin, a waitress, and Chandler talks about how his parents preferred his imaginary friend over oh, him. Man. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> yeah, that one got me laughing, too, <laughs> honestly. Um, Ross goes to the bathroom, and while Ross is in the bathroom, everyone leaves Rachel to clean the cafe. Uh, when he comes out, the lights are off, and everyone's gone except for Rachel, and he makes a joke. How long was I in there? That would throw me off too. Honestly, honestly? I, I, I don't know if I could. I, I don't know if I could handle. It. Like, I, I go into the restroom, I come back on, and I come back out, and the lights are on. <laughs> How long have I been gone? Um, Ross asks Rachel if he can if if he can help her. She's like, yeah, sure. She hands him the broom, and she just sits back on the couch, and she he just accepts. It. He just like slides right into it. Yeah, just power move. Fair enough. <laughs> Get him. Get him. Uh, Rachel is bummed about having to see her ex the next day. She asks Ross for advice as he's been recently dumped. And he basically tells her, don't use dumped uh, when you're talking to him and not to look too happy when she sees him. Because I guess it's like giving the impression like you don't want him to think you're too happy that you left him at the altar. Uh, Then he suggests they could switch spots and Rachel can go to the OBGYN with Carol the next day. Then Rachel goes on, you know, talking about like the, what is it, the difficulties of adult life. Rachel goes on about how back in high school she thought she'd find someone and fall in love. Then she wouldn't be where she is now. Um, As she's saying this, Ross is giving her the googly eyes. (laughs) Angsty. Yay. Aren't y'all adults? 
But anyways, um, they are so annoying. I just want to say that they're so annoying. I um, hate, I hate, I hate this couple. <laughs> hate it. Especially when, especially like spoilers, I guess, when a kid comes into play later on. I'm like that poor child. Oh boy, that's that's fun. Um, I just want to say people are children when they are in high mm-hmm. school. Uh, nobody should be worrying about marriage or a lifelong monogamy when they're teenagers. Um, that's when you're supposed to be discovering yourself, living your life. Um, shows like this and the culture that permeates our lives is so detrimental to our well-being. Like when I was in high school, I knew plenty of kids that felt similarly. Um, they didn't even know what they wanted to do with their lives, so in let alone look or have the desire to, you know, like they would always have the desire to want to, you know, the whole happy marriage thing and kids. And I'm like, guys, we are 17. Yeah, just yeah, just 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 chill a little bit. I know. Yeah, yeah in, in high school, I was never, I, I was never equipped Mm-mm. for any kind of romantic interaction. Oh, was God. not. I honestly, it's a fairly recent development that <laughs> I've been secure enough in myself to be able to to be able to handle this kind of thing. Yeah, I don't even know if I can handle it at all. But yeah, it's so much unnecessary pressure on yeah, on kids. Like you're telling us that we got an adult soon after high school and and get married no thanks yeah i'm not for it (laughs) ross is chilling on the couch and rachel rests her head on his hand and it's supposed to be like a moment um it's kind of like when a pet lays on you and it's literally illegal to disturb your pet (laughs) one one thing i liked too that kind of made me chuckle was the way he was like wildly grouping behind um, grouping around behind him to find the chair Mm mm-hmm I can't lie. That's a total. That's a total me move. That would honestly, that would be me in that situation. One thing I will say though, and I do, and I, I do feel like, and this is like aspiring sitcom writer slash script doctor coming out mm-hmm. here. I feel like this would have been way funnier, and honestly, at the same time, a little bit sweeter if he couldn't find the chair. So then he just like either keeps standing there or takes a knee or something. Oh, like that would be funnier, and also kind of speak a little more to how he's just enjoying this moment. A yeah. Bit. So it'd be like, it's kind, of, it's kind of like how like the Parks and Rec writers have been talking about that show, where they, they like to try to find, figure out a way, like how can we make this funnier, but also at the same time sweeter. And I think when, when you can combine those two things, that's really where like shows like this can live. Yeah, I like that. But yeah. so, he he does find the chair, so it's a little, a little, a little bit of a bummer. But still, I do relate to being like, <laughs> well, I can't just stand here all day. <laughs> No, I uh, I also relate. Anytime, like I yeah, anytime I get physical physical affection from a certain someone, I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, this is fine. I can die here. <laughs> uh, the next day, Ross makes it to the sonogram appointment. Uh, Carol is on the hospital bed. Yeah, the exam table. Whatever that 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 like weird kind of chairish kind of thing is. I don't even know how to describe it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing, the the thing in the doctor's office with butcher paper on it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I hate those. God, I hate those. Um, so she's there in the medical gown, and Susan walks in after Ross. He uh, he they they shake hands, and he comments on her handshake, which I feel is supposed to be like some kind of commentary on uh, lesbians being like manlike or what is it mannish in some in some social ways. But maybe I'm reading into it a little. Honestly, too much. I don't think you are. In oh, the okay. '90s and 2000s, that kind of thing was always the joke when mm. it came to like lesbians, and he was he was tired the first twenty thousand times. I every time I hear it, I'm just like, can we <laughs> can we can we just like go back and just delete this joke from every comedy ever? Yes, thank you, because they are. Are like these this couple they're lipstick lesbians or like super femme lesbians which are completely valid um 
there's this interaction where uh, Carol asks, oh, you remember Susan? And Ross is like, well, how could I forget? Ah, yeah, Ross is a... Uh... Ross's very winning attitude. Mm-hmm. This whole scene is beginning to beginning to come into play. I hate it. I hate it he's so, so much. He's so petty. Oh my god, he's so I, so petty. I cannot stand him. <laughs> uh, so they're waiting for Doctor Oberman, and Ross, of course, assumes that the doctor is a man. And Jesus <laughs> Christ! And the couple quickly correct him. Uh, she, and he's like, "Oh right, of course, uh, of course, a she." And apparently, Dr. Oberman is aware uh, and supportive of their queer little situation because it is a queer relationship dynamic um, at this point. And I can totally get into that later. But, um, yeah, it's uh, unconventional from like the whole nuclear family type of thing. Um, Ross starts. (laughs) Ross. I mean, I also do this around whenever I have nothing else to do and I'm just standing around. But Ross starts playing with some of the instruments uh, like the speculum that opens the cervix. Um, around the office and effectively contaminates them. Yeah, one, one thing that confused me too about this whole bit is like, why why did he freak when she mentioned that it was for the cervix? I'm just like, number one, it's a body part, you weirdo. And Thank number you. two, e- even if it was a big deal, like the tool was the tool was was mm-hmm. sterile. Thanks, thanks. Ross. So like, so 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 like, there was no reason for you to get all weird about the fact that. Although honestly, like those those, those moments where like Ross felt awkward and he was like just messing around with stuff in the room. Some of that stuff made me laugh. I I I um I I I got a good laugh when um when he was uh there was like there was like that there was like those like it's like the those, like diagram things up on the um with the fetus yeah up on, the, <laughs> up on the shelf and he like poked the poked the little like fetal baby and it like fell out and he had to catch it. Oh my god, that, that was, was good. That was kind of funny. Yeah. Oh man. Because I didn't expect that thing to fall out either. Like I wouldn't have thought it was att- I, I, I would have thought it was attached. Right. But I think those diagrams often. I think it's it's normal for them to actually be able to come apart for educational reasons. But I don't know. I don't go to the doctor often enough. <laughs> um, we're back with Rachel, and she walks into Barry's dental office to return his ring, and she's trying to play it cool. But Rachel's surprised that he looks so great and tells the kid that's in the dentist chair that she she dumped him, for the record. Um, first of all, why is this okay for people to just walk into a sterile dentist's office area? Yeah, they really couldn't do this later. Uh, right? Why does she have to go into... In the middle of an appointment? Yes, exactly. I do love the kid, though. The, the best actor in this show, in this episode. <laughs> He's, I, he's I, 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 I do love that part in the middle. They're having, they're having, they're having their big conversation. He's like, "Excuse me, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to get done with this at some point." <laughs> Honestly, like I know kids do not like the dentist. I, I, I revealed myself as a weirdo earlier, saying, "Oh, I love the dentist. It's soothing." Um, sorry, <laughs> but yeah, um, nobody wants to be in that dentist chair too long. Next scene: Ross is being a dope and starts asking about how things will work when they need to make big decisions. Yeah, this is not this is not the time, dude. Definitely not. First of all, that baby barely developed a heartbeat. Um, he starts suggesting his own names for the baby, like Julia or whatever. And Susan says they already agree her and her and Carol already agreed on names and Ross tells her, "It's funny. We cuz we agreed we'd spend the rest of our lives together. Things change. Roll with the punches." Yikes. I I just absolutely cannot stand this man. He's so selfish, so self-centered, just so egotistical. He's lucky they're even giving him the option to be involved, honestly, cuz that's that the, Carol is carrying that thing. Like she can she can do away with that 
at any moment and find another sperm donor in an instant and raise the baby with her wife without a man's input. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it all, yeah, it just, it, it, all, it all just like smacks of just his own egotism because mm-hmm. he, because he, it, in, I, I, honestly, in, in, in this universe, like Ross, Ross is kind of treated like the king. You know, I kind of, I, I kind of talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ross is the king, Rachel's the queen. You know, they, they're, you know, M- Monica's going through some stuff in the apartment, but then Rachel, you know, kicks in the door and <laughs> suddenly it's all about her thing. And then Ross then follows later, and he kicks in the door, and suddenly it's all about his thing. The writers have picked their favorites. Nobody else's nobody else's stuff really seems to. We don't hear. We don't. We don't get any updates on what's going on with you know Phoebe's music or Chandler's job or Joey's acting. We don't get because nobody because because the writers don't care. It's all about the drama going on with Ross and Rachel. Oh my God, that makes uh, that puts so much to perspective. Actually, I didn't notice that you know the all the attention had gone to like Rachel and then Ross and then back and forth beautiful this is why i love watching things with other people but yeah it all it all it all this all the smacks of uh of ross's egotism because 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 he in this like, like i said in this universe he is like he he's the he is the the central char- one of the central characters mm-hmm. you know i you know i i will he, he doesn't handle it well but that is an unfortunate thing to have happen mm-hmm to you, you know that that is that 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 is an unfortunate thing. That would be something that would take a while to process and deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but he thinks that because, in some ways, he was like I guess victimized by this thing. He thinks that that makes <laughs> all of his actions okay. That nothing he does, nothing he do, nothing he does can be wrong because he has like the lower social status in mm-hmm. this in this in this situation, which is nonsense. That's a, the, the, it, a nonsense way of thinking about things. It is a nonsense way of thinking about things because. Obviously, like people in the LGBTQ community are are the ones that are like that are always victimized and are like you know the with the lowest social standing and stuff. So it's like okay, cis het man, like ego, go off, have your ego bruised, be the victim. You know, it's just uh, so tired. Yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> So Rachel starts stalling herself up when Barry comes back into the office because he had left to get something or whatever. Uh, she asks Barry why he's so tanned and turns out he went to their honeymoon spot without her. Um, and it turns out he went with her maid of honor, Mindy, and they're kind of a thing now. This obviously drives a nail through Rachel's heart. Barry also got hair plugs and contact lenses, and Rachel tell, tells him she's surprised that he's made these changes because it's like, that's not like you. And he's like, it's not so difficult for Mindy. I'm like, oof. Oof. <laughs> that must have hurt. But she did leave this guy at the altar, so I mean... Yeah, I'm going to get into that in a minute. <laughs> yes. All right, so Barry tells Rachel he realized that she was right and that they weren't happy. With Mindy, he is happy. And Rachel hands back the inv- the engagement ring um, begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is a thing in sitcoms. It, it, it crops up a lot, and it really irritates me. Mm-hmm. Um the idea of you know this is this is this is the part because because the this is what like what comedy writers refer to this um, as like high status low status you know the person who is kind of on top in the, in the interaction that's high status if you're the butt of the joke that's low status mm. so just kind of going into that um, in the situation Rachel left Barry at the altar so she's high status mm-hmm. he is low status. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that happens a lot in sitcoms where the person who is in the high status position um, and hurts the person in the low status position gets upset because the person found happiness or they aren't hurt enough or they're doing better 
without them, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and they get up, they get upset about that. I understand sometimes emotions, you know, that you, you, you can't, you can't quite control exactly how you feel. And even if you know, on some level, maybe I don't really have a right to feel this way. It's still valid that you feel that way. So the bad feelings in situations like this are not controllable, mm-hmm. but in my book, leaving Barry at the altar, she waived her right to feel slighted. Exactly. She can be be sad and a little reflective about this whole situation. Mm -hmm. But she does not get to feel wronged Mm -mm. by the fact that he figured out some way to try to help himself get okay after... Let's be real. That's a traumatic event. Oh yeah, I imagine. I mean, I mean, ugh. I mean, how much your mother dives into that, the being left at the altar, and, right? Because because there, there's a whole arc where we have to like that happens to Ted, mm-hmm. and it takes like a it takes like two seasons or something for him to like process it. Dang. Yeah. You know, it, they, they get they get real real deep into it, and it, it's a big traumatic event, and she seems upset at him for trying to make himself okay. Yeah, it's it's a little narcissistic of her to be like, oh, wow, you just moved on. Like, uh, well, yeah, what else was he going to do? Why do you care? Exactly. If you didn't want to marry him, why do you care? Yeah. <laughs> and why is it your business? <laughs> I mean, I would be a little upset if, like, my maid of honor... Ew, that's weird to say. Um, <laughs> sorry. It would be. I would be a little upset if, like, my maid of honor didn't tell me that she was going to go off with my ex-fiance and be a thing with them. I'm like, you could have just told me, bro. Like, you didn't have to hide that from me. We could have talked this out. Like, I feel, I understand it on a level of, like, betrayal, I would suppose, or um, something like that. But, but yeah, she never really, she never really seems to bring it up on, bring it up on that level, because that level, I get. Trust mm-hmm. me, I get it. <laughs> um, but, um... <laughs> But um, but yeah, she, she the the angle does seem to be that she is uneasy about the fact that Barry is happy because I guess on some level she was just like I she, she must have taken some pride some sick pride in being like yeah I I, I, I smashed him absolutely I I was I was such an important thing in his life and while I do feel bad on some level I'm like yeah. I'm powerful. I smashed him. Yeah. Um, it's twisted. Thing. It's villainous, honestly. I, but um, it, but I, 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 it really, the way they play Rachel in this in this story, in this episode, it, it smacks of that. Mm. And it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because um, she's also, what is it? She's also, it, it's revealed, it basically reveals that she's super, super, super superficial. Haha. <laughs> um, it reveals how superficial she is because um, she's all of a sudden, she, he's like conventionally hot by her standards and she's like oh no I let a good one get away mistake yeah and it's like but y'all weren't happy with each other if y'all weren't happy when he was quote unquote ugly to you like what makes you think that you're gonna be happy together when he's hot to you now you know I didn't think of that angle, but that is very true. Hey, no, yeah. <laughs> um, so back at the OBGYN, the the three are fighting over last names now. So fun. God. <laughs> Ross doesn't see why the baby gets Susan's last name, and she tells him that it's her baby too. And Ross is like, "Funny, I don't remember you making any sperm." Oh. <laughs> Charming. Yeah. Right. Good. God, it's just the things he says are so inappropriate. And Susan's like, yeah, we know what a challenge that is because it's not. Um, it's just it's it's just hilarious, Ross. You know, trans women trans women exist, intersex people exist, and also this is like the person that his ex wife is choosing to have a family with. And if again the one with holding the baby says that they want to be co parents with somebody, like that's how it's gonna be. That's their choice. She can totally be like, you know what? 
we're not gonna let you in on this actually you know honestly they probably should have just said that like right out of the gate mm-hmm mm-hmm yes because like Ross suggests his last name come first and the baby's last name conjunction Susan says he'll still get his way and Ross the gaslighter says the this whole situation is far from his way again playing victim in this whole situation yeah and and and, and she get and she got she got called out um she got called out by 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 Susan pretty hard because because he because he, he, it was very it was very it was very easily pointed out that he wanted the last name to come first so that way people would use the shorthand mm-hmm. and that was true that was manipulative what he was trying to do there mm-hmm. and he got very rightfully called out for it yeah as he should be and then yeah and then he plays the victim card <laughs> because that's Ross that's Ross all over every time something bad happens to him he's always the victim it makes sense with how his parents treated him though like for the character it makes sense that like oh he's the prince like Monica literally says uh, to the, to their to their parents he's the prince, or a prince, or whatever. Yeah, that's that's another thing that, that I, I, I I honestly might move up. Everybody loves Raymond in, in the rotation because I really want to talk about this show. That that's that that's a, that's a, that's an angle that they play in Everybody Loves Raymond is that um, it was always um, Raymond. Raymond was the favorite. Robert mm. was Robert was a little bit you know treated as less. And um, yeah, there's kind of like this. There's kind of like this strange, you know. It, 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 there's 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 a lot of like easy gaslighting able to be done about it. You, they, they they can deny that that's how they felt, but it was very clear that especially the mom Mm-mm. was always way more attentive to to Ray than to Robert. And um, as such, it turned Ray into kind of a spoiled brat. And now mm-hmm. he is in a situation where he is married to he's married married to a, a very very strong willed woman. Like she. Mm-hmm. Um, um, doesn't put up with his crap. She doesn't, and 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 she and she doesn't put up with the mother-in-law's crap. Ooh. So like, and so and so and so and so, and so having somebody who has you know strength of will equal to his extremely g- godlike strong-willed mom. Like she, like she is she like like uh, Marie Barone is such is such like a like a like a manipulative, somewhat selfish character that um there's this there's this there's this there's this site called the Villains Wiki. Oh, and she's on there. <laughs> oh my god! It's so great. Like, 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 like. She pulls some nefarious stuff out of that, <laughs> in that thing. But at the same time, she also is like kind of a very multifaceted character. But, but, um, but yeah. But, but the, everybody loves Raymond. Kind of explores that dynamic because now he he was he was he was treated as number one at home for a long time, mm-hmm. and he always got his way, and he was always able to, and and and, and that and that created a lot of complexes in his mind, mm. and now he's kind of putting that con that, that, that the, those complexes all over his wife and kids and the wife's not having it and because the parents live across the street they are over and whenever Ray starts up with some nonsense we they end up having it out like the, the most episodes of every loves Raymond are like bottle episodes they're just like in a room together and they're just and they're just having it out there's stories from the past there's you know, just kind of like philosophical arguments about mm. what is and is not right in terms of parenting, in terms mm. of being in a relationship. There's lots and lots and lots of like in the weeds exploration that goes on with that show. And it really does feel like it, it, it almost comes off as a satire of characters okay. of characters like like Ross because uh, Ray Barone he does hold a lot of similarities to a character like Ross he even he even has kind of a like when, when, when you watch the episode you'll, you'll see he's got a little bit of a 
he's, he's, he's got a little bit of a, a like the same kind of awkward verbal cadence too. Hmm. So I, okay. I it, it does seem a little bit like he's like a like a direct like like response to a character like Ross. It's, it's almost like everybody loves Raymond. It's almost satire, I would say. Um, and everybody loves Raymond came out after Friends, right? Yeah, I think it was around the time when Friends was coming to an end. I think it was like 2003 or four, somewhere in that neighborhood when it started. Okay, yeah. I'd so have to, I'd have to check on that, but it was it was definitely like early the or like early to around like mid 2000s when that show started. Yeah, so it would make sense that he would be like a direct. Oh no, it was 98. Oh yeah, that's still early or late enough. Friends would have already been out for like a few years by then, so it would make sense that he would be a direct reference or uh, play on Ross. But yeah, get ready, folks. Everybody Loves Raymond is going to be a big discussion. I I will go to bat for that show every day of the week. I'm excited. <laughs> Definitely excited for that. Uh, he says that this whole situation is too hard for him, and he's ready to give up when Dr. Oberman walks in. And um, she breaks the tension just a little bit. Um, Ross is ready to step out. Like, he's out the door. and until, but, but then he hears the heartbeat on the sonogram monitor. And then he decides to stay. Um, can I just say this? Then this guy just goes and is, inserts himself on, onto Susan's hand, which is holding Carol's hand. Like they're the 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 two the two the two ladies are having a moment, holding each other's hands. You know, mm. like oh, mom and mom looking at their parent, their at their parent, at their baby. And Ross just like envelops that moment of their hands together. It's just very, so very, creepy. Very symbolic too of this whole like like, like 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 honestly, it's like an art film. It's like an art <laughs> film like piece of like expressionism. <laughs> Literally though. No, yeah. Like I saw uh, I also saw the symbolic the symbology behind it and I'm like, man, this guy. And uh yeah, with Ross, everything's okay now. Mm. Just because Ross found some degree of humanity in himself and is now able to feel feelings in a moment means that he magically wasn't being a jerk like not even 60 seconds ago <laughs> literally oh my god it's so annoying because he um I, I the last time i had watched friends years ago i had watched into it a little bit uh, several episodes in and he's still a jerk when the baby comes around too like you know susan and carol still are like raising the baby and he's still being ross with 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 the kid or w- with the the couple so yeah, yeah, he's 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 okay now that he feels okay. Mm-hmm. You know, he just is not going to ever have to reckon with the fact that he was being really, really horrible and dismissive to, you know, I and you know, and 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 he never really seems to once think about like you know Carol in all of this. Never. You know, he you know he's all he's all, he's all jealous. So I guess mm-hmm. like he wants to think that he was like super super in love with her and everything. But like if if you're that in love with her, why aren't you thinking about how the fact like you know this is extreme this has got to be extremely awkward for her you know she and she's she's letting you in on the situation because she felt that that was the right thing to do mm-hmm. and here you are paying her back for that by making it about you exactly and like yeah she's handling the situations very well i don't know if it's like an oversight on the writer's part not you know delving into how maybe the person who is pregnant feels and how they're dealing with the whole situation and how they're dealing with Ross's 
Rossness. I don't know. It's... Yeah, they, they they turned honestly the person who I think is like Carol. Carol, I think, should be the most pivotal character in this in this situation. Mm-hmm. But they turned her into a passive character, almost a prop, honestly. Yes. And they just kind of paint Susan as the villain. Susan is not giving is not letting Ross have what he wants. The evil lesbians are taking our babies. Wow, they're taking them from good American cishet men. <laughs> And their families. No, but um, so this is where the episode ends, actually. Which I was surprised. I like very, very little actually. Like honest to God, this whole episode just felt like Act One. Yeah, exactly. I was I was expecting a lot more, um, and but it was just like, oh, Ross changes his mind for now, and then roll credits. It was just so abrupt. It really was. Yeah, it was very, very sudden. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but in the after credits scene, Ross is showing the gang the sonogram. Monica is welling up and emotional because she's going to be an auntie, which I think is very sweet. Like, you know, family dynamics are nice sometimes. <laughs> uh, Chandler says it looks like it's going to attack the Enterprise, which, haha, that's funny. I love Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Um, off screen, or we well, we pan over to Rachel, who calls Mindy and wishes that their that her and Barry's kids, you know, if they get married and have kids, she wishes or hopes that they have Barry's old hairline and Mindy's old nose. Yikes! <laughs> Cheap shot, but she feels so much better now. Glad I'm glad the person that left the person at the altar is able to feel is is able to feel good about all this. <laughs> yeah, and there, uh, you know, those those are some parallels with uh between Ross and Rachel I guess right like they're really self-centered very narcissistic and um feel victimized when others are trying to find happiness without them yep i it's been a while but i do remember there being a lot of situations mm-hmm. where after they after they broke up after the whole uh break debacle <laughs> The, the yeah the the, the 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 them both being jealous that the other person wasn't more miserable oh my god but yeah this is a, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of a lot of succumbs to this i mean um you know that 70s show has has a moment that that, that irritates me mm. um, because 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 that 70s show you've got um you've got um eric and donna yeah you know th- there was the, there was the, the a, a big defining thing with their with their relationship is the fact that everybody everybody is constantly his parents too well mostly mostly his dad but mm-hmm. um, reminding him day after day after day after day after day after day that he you know he he won the lottery you know there's <laughs> there's absolutely no logical reason that Donna should like someone like him. <laughs> And um, and yeah, and he and 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 as such, you know, Eric's got super low self confidence. Oh, and he doesn't really like in, in the season where they're broken up because they do break up at the end of season three, I believe. They break up, and um, he doesn't really he doesn't really doesn't really date all that much. That makes you know, sense. There's a lot of there's a lot of processing in play in terms of their, their breakup and mm-hmm. all the, all the other kind of stuff. But there's one episode where he comes close. Uh, they go to like this uh, this party because him and his him and his dad both work at the uh, at Price Mart, which I think is supposed to be like a like a Walmart or something <laughs> like that. Uh-huh. But um, they're 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 at they're at this they're at this um, they're at this place and he meets and he meets and he meets a girl and they and they hit it off and they get and they get along and she writes she writes uh, her number on his hand you know he's he's catching a break mm-hmm. and um, you know he's talking to Donna later on and you know she's 
she seems to be okay with all this. They had gotten into a conflict in the, over, over earlier in the episode. And um, at one point, um, you know, they, they, it's like, oh, is this the, is this the, is this the, oh, is this that girl's number? And then she like licks his hand and destroys, and destroys the number so he couldn't get in contact with her. And the audience is like clapping and cheering. What? Yeah, put him back in his place. That's where, oh he, just, that's where he deserves to be. You know, just that whole, just that whole like, yeah, the, so the, 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 the one, one person being upset that another person's not hurting enough and somebody's trying to d- d- process and get over this whole thing. I'm tired. Yeah. And then, oh my and, goodness. And then, and, then, and then there's that whole arc too where Donna starts dating um, Kelso's, bro- Kelso's brother played by Luke Wilson. Oh my goodness. And um, he never does anything to, 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 to mess with that whole scenario mm. except be miserable. Mm. Um so yeah, it's just I I I I hate I hate that kind of relationship and balance stuff, especially when like the show go, especially when the show goes to like extreme lengths to preserve that 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 um, emotional imbalance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one. It's unrealistic. Two. It's very immature. Um, people break up and people move like process and then people move on and. Why, 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 why are you like fight like literally getting in a in a physical space with your ex and trying to make the other one I don't know jealous or more miserable or uh, it's like just just access the feelings that you had or claimed to have before and just be like let's can we can we both ju-? like it, it turns into a competition yeah and 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 it just can we just can we just agree to just exist. And move on. Maybe we could figure out how to be friends later. Yeah. But right now, we I think we both need some physical space. Yeah. I mean, take some space from people if you need to, or or if you clearly still have something for each other. Maybe you should talk something out and work things out. I don't know. It's so annoying. It's I hate drama. Well, no, I love drama, but I hate <laughs> that drama. <laughs> I, I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tim, I think our audience can. Um, a guess at how we feel about how this holds up, but um, how does this hold up for you? So, I always thought that the reason I didn't like Friends was as simple as I discovered its meaner big sibling Seinfeld first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is partially true. Um, I respond more to Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Seinfeld is Seinfeld is 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 wittier. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld is funnier. Seinfeld has this dark edge to it that that I that I that I respond to a little bit better. Uh, it, it just comes off as like this caution. Like the, the, the characters are bad in Seinfeld, but it comes off as somewhat of a cautionary tale. You're not supposed to be like these people. It is satirizing the bad behavior, much like um, the, the 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 much younger student of Seinfeld. Um, it's always saying Philadelphia mm-hmm. would eventually um, would eventually go on to do and to far more far more um, direct effect uh, but honestly it turns out the, a bigger part of my dislike for this show is its attitude yes it's a show where the main characters while you know they, they do have their issues they're generally pretty well-adjusted people at least in terms of like their social group you know they they do they do feel like they are functional human beings within this world that these people have created. 
and it's just the rest of the world. You know, your mm-hmm. your 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 lesbian ex-wives and their and their and their new and their new wives and the ugly naked guys who live across the street. Yeah, um, who are crazy. And this group is just sitting there sarcastically witnessing all the insanity and just being extremely dismissive of most things. It's really just, it's not a good look. No, it's not. Um, it's also, and I, I mentioned this earlier, it's the favoritism too. The, the, the rest of the group really isn't given all that much to do in this episode. Mm-hmm. And it leaves the heavy lifting to Ross and Rachel, who are both, Ross especially, but both behaving in wildly selfish ways. And neither of them is taking the task for or forced to reckon with that bad behavior. Um, in some ways, this feels a little like an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Funnily enough, uh, that was actually that show was actually once referred to by a critic as the anti Friends. Ooh, I like that. And it's just with it, 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 it's like an It's Always Sunny episode without the self awareness about the bad behavior. <laughs> because because I've I, I mentioned it a few times, but on the show before that It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it, it, it's kind of laid out in no uncertain terms. Somebody somebody comes to the bar at some point and writes a bad review, so they end up kidnapping him. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end, he writes a new review where he says, yeah, so I, so also, and they, 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 they laid out the whole story of the kidnapping. <gasps> oh, and, my God. Right. It's like, and that's exactly, though, why I chose not to press any charges, because it just, um, what's the point? I feel like a, the, the, I could have these people thrown in jail, but honestly, they'd probably just make jail worse. So the best thing I can do for society and for, in the sake of moving on, is just to leave these monsters in this world to languish in the hell they've created for themselves. And that's yeah. that truly is the ultimate the ultimate thing that that happens in Zoe Seinfeld Philadelphia is just that they they may not be directly punished for all of their actions, but their lives over the course of the series just keep getting worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse and worse. And eventually they they don't have any means of relating to the normal people around them anymore. <laughs> they, they, they become cartoon characters the further into the show they get. Mm-hmm. And, and that is how you handle this behavior in a TV show. Friends is accepting of it. Yeah, no accountability whatsoever. And another crime for the show for me is how bland it is. Yes. Now I know. I know. I do. Now I do love my um, you know relationship heavy friends hanging out in the city sitcoms. You know, Seinfeld obviously I mentioned is, is a great one. It's always Seinfeld. Philadelphia is a great mm-hmm. one. Uh, how I Met Your Mother. Uh, community, you know, these are all shows that hold some of those trappings, but they've all got some degree of either dark humor or this sort of like like How I Met Your Mother especially has this sort of like really um, excitable geeky energy to it. Mm-hmm. You know, they make they make they make weird jokes. You know, you know, there's a there's a there's a there's a conflict between between Ted and Marshall, and they get into a sword duel over it. You know, like yeah. <laughs> you know, and and that 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 like they have you know like Joey and Chandler have. Of wacky adventures together, you know. They, they, you know, for a while they had a chicken and a duck living in their house. Um, oh, I love that. But um, I, I, I couldn't imagine them getting into a sword fight. <laughs> how, I met your mother, how I met your mother is weird. Well, here's the thing: Joey and Chandler are boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. That's just my head cannon. But 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 as a whole, friends, it's just it's just it's just dry white toast, and I don't have enough water. <laughs> yeah. It just, oh my god. It just scratches my throat as it goes down, and I just wish I hadn't eaten anything. <laughs> honestly, I regret I regret even stepping into this. <laughs> um, I honestly, as, as I said earlier, I was I was kind of surprised when the credits started to roll because it really felt like nothing had happened. That nothing did happen. We were just we were just shown how. Uh, 
terrible these two pivotal characters, these two main characters are. And they just continue to be horrible. And it, it, it got to a point, too, where, like, you know, they got together for a little while. And I think and I think when they when when Ross and Rachel first get together, I think I, I didn't know enough about their crappy behavior mm-hmm. to be against it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, OK, all right. So it begins the greatest relationship ever known. <laughs> <laughs> Call back to last week. <laughs> Thank um, you for that. <laughs> but um, but um, after after they after they broke up after that that just total breakdown in communication between the two of them that that resulted in their breakup mm-hmm. and their um, because they they, they and they, I I don't think they ever, well, my, my my point being is that I, I I don't think they ever actually came to any kind of a conclusion about whether or not like they they both just they both just dug their heels in and refused to budge on that whole break thing. And that was the, and that was, and that whole thing was what taught me that, you know what, no, these two do not belong together. Yes. And every time they would almost get together again, I was like rooting against it. I'm like, these people need to get away from each other. These people need to not even be friends anymore, honestly, at this point. They're toxic. It's bad. And then, you know, I, I, spoilers for friends, they eventually do have a kid together. Hmm. And, um... Yeah, that that that, that, that kid's in this dynamic now, and um, it's just so and 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 nobody's ever again. Nobody is ever taking the task for hmm. for this behavior. Like the you know how I met your mother, Ted is a very Ross like figure, but I think that Ted is forced to reckon with his you know his his main character complex that he has. <laughs> Because he definitely does. He definitely does have one of those. He definitely he definitely wants to see himself as the big victim in every single thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And he gets overdramatic and he won't stop talking about certain things over and over and over and over again. And he gets called out sometimes. Like, it's like, look, just because you saw, like, one of my favorite episodes is the St. Patrick's Day uh, bar episode where mm-hmm. he thinks he's doing great, but it turns out he's just been frustrated with his with his singleness. And he's kind of lashing out and acting horribly. And it takes and it takes the um, it takes Marshall playing all of the uh, pocket dial voicemails for him in a row for him to realize that, wow, I was really, really really far up my own ass last night. I really thought I was doing great, but it turns out I have some stuff I need to process. And he is taking he's he's taken to he's taken the task for acting that way. Mm. I feel like Ross would have been allowed to just be a jerk at the and and at him getting punched in the face by that guy who he was stealing champagne from. <laughs> that would have been it. That would have been that would have been the punishment. It would have mm. been it would have been fine. Um but how much your mother really puts his characters to the ringer and really and really says, hey, look, you know, we've all got stuff going on, too. And yes, it's very sad that this happened to you, but there are other things in the world. And at a certain point, you have to stop venting and start processing. I really feel that one. Um, no, yeah. And especially like in shows like that, like How I Met Your Mother, they actually do give the other friends like the time and the development. Yeah, everybody's everybody always has a story. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's how you should be working in like these group dynamics and shows like in shows like Friends, like like you mentioned, like they completely neglect all the other friends. But like, I I love how Joey and Chandler interact with each other. Yeah, that's one thing that the show definitely does improve on later on in its run is that it does become more of an ensemble show. Because I know I know the mm-hmm. same the same the same thing happens with um, the same thing happens in Cheers. Oh, um, right. The dynamic between Sam and Diane that is a whole other thing though. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I I honestly say that one's like that one's like satire though. Like they're they're yes. they're kind of like like they're they're do they're toxic, but it's on purpose that they're toxic. Mm-hmm. And we're and 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 honestly, their toxicity, their mutual toxicity, is kind of hilarious. It is. 
is. It's, it's really ridiculous. Like just like just like just that like there was like there was like one time where they were like in a big argument, and I think like at some point I, I can't remember if it was like their ears or their noses, but they grabbed they grabbed each other on like mutually on like on like on like on like one part of their body like, mm-hmm. like a retaliation, and so they're like their arms are crossed over and they're like squeezing some kind of like body part of each other's head, and they're like and they're like tussling, and they're both like they're both like right near the ground, and then and then Diane's like Sam. Sam, we can't sink any lower. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> wrecks me every time. But anyway, um, that whole thing, the the Sam and Diane dynamic is explored very much through the first uh, five seasons of of of, of Cheers. Mm-hmm. They and then they and then they eventually they go their separate ways. Spoilers, I guess. Um, yeah. But um, I've watched Cheers and um, and. Uh, uh, Kirst- and uh, Shelley Long left the show, and Kirstie Alley comes in as the new kind of like you know headlining uh, female lead, mm-hmm. and um, she's got a totally different dynamic with 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 Sam. By the way, so it's not even really like that. Rebe- Rebecca, Rebecca, and Sam never really, never really. It, it, there's 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 a little bit of stuff, but it never becomes like a big dramatic, serious romantic mm-hmm. subplot like like it like like it originally was. But at that but at that point, they decide to take the central romantic comedy out of it, and now it's a and now it's an ensemble show. So we get a lot more Norm, a lot more Cliff, a lot more Paul, a lot more Carla, and. Which is great, and I and uh, yeah, I, I I thought I thought the show was gonna get worse when when I saw that Shelley Long was leaving mm-hmm. because you now there there are a lot of shows where characters leave. I mean that '70s show that season after Eric left, mm-hmm. unwatchable, unwatchable. I cannot get through it. I believe you. Um, what is it, Emily Russo? When she leaves Shameless, things get weird. Yeah, they and they, they have no idea what to what to do with those. Oh, yeah, um, the 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 se- the season after Steve Carell leaves on The Office, and oh. Ed, and Ed, and Ed Helms comes in as the new like central lead. Hollywood, please listen to me. <laughs> Ed Helms is great. Ed Helms can be good. I do enjoy Ed Helms sometimes. Stop giving him lead parts. He cannot carry anything. Oh, oh. He does not have the right kind of energy. It doesn't work. I, I haven't seen it, but my brother tells me that uh, the, the 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 remake of National Lampoon's Vacation is unwatchable because Ed Helms is the is supposed to be the um, well he's supposed to be the Clark Gis- Clark Griswold, but it actually is like a sequel to Vacation. So he is uh, he's Rusty. Mm. Ed Helms plays Rusty, which I don't I don't buy. Anthony Michael Hall grew up to be grew up to be Ed Helms. Mm. Uh. <laughs> It's a disconnect, honestly. <laughs> that, I see where you're coming. Although from. It, it's fair. I, although now I think about it, they did they did recast the they did they they did recast the kids all the time in the National Lampoon's Vacation movies. Oh, that I didn't know. But still, it, it, I, I still I still <laughs> but, but I, I've heard it. I've heard it's terrible. Okay, but we're not here to throw shade at Ed Helms. <laughs> Right. I will take any opportunity to do it because I'm kind. Of, I will be salty about The Office season eight until the day that I die. Oh my god, eight seasons. It actually went nine seasons. There was one more after. Um, season nine's actually okay because the original showrunner Greg Daniels came back. I think of uh, I think of that um, that amount of seasons, and I just get exhausted just it, thinking about there's, it. There's a lot of it. Yeah, that's why that's why certain shows I just don't watch them all the way through anymore, like top to bottom. Mm-hmm. It's like I will never watch all the way through Cheers again because Cheers is eleven seasons, and then its uh, sequel slash spinoff Frasier is also eleven seasons. And actually, uh, there's more Frasier seasons coming because Frasier is about to get rebooted. I heard Futurama's about to get rebooted. Oh yeah, yeah, Hulu and um, John DiMaggio is not coming back. Then what is the point? Yeah, like what do you? What oh my do you, god! What's what's going on, guys? Yeah, you don't you don't you don't recast Bender. 
And you don't write Bender out either. Like I, no. I, I'd be, I'm, I'm going to be mad about either one of those. Honestly, if they decide to write Bender out, I'm going to be pissed. And if it turns out that they, I just didn't believe it when I when I heard that they were redoing. Um... When they were re- that they were redoing Futurama, just... I was surprised. Usually, I usually I I, I I clock rumors about this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but so I didn't hear a word. This this has happened right either. out of nowhere. I yeah. did not expect it to happen because I thought, well, we've we've already done that. We've already we we, we revived Futurama. It it, it you know it, it went a it went a pretty real like it got out for like season like seven right six mm, or six or seven eight. I want to say eight seasons. Yeah, it, 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 it got I'm a very, it got, so it, 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 it got a revival. It mm-hmm. got a very respectable run. Mm-hmm. We got a few movies made. Mm-hmm. Lots of lots of yeah. The future Futurama had a good had a good um, had a good post life. And I just think what let's let's just focus on you know getting disenchanted or disenchantment yes. to, to become to become a little more special than it is. Exactly, disenchantment is actually really good. I love that one. Yeah, I haven't I haven't um I haven't watched since season one. Um, oh, I just kind of fell off. I might I might watch. I did. I did enjoy season one more than most of Disenchantment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely get on that because it's. I need to get. I want to rewatch that one soon. Actually, it's good. I love it. Yeah, I, th- I think. I think. It's, I think. I think it's just like it, it kind of threw me off because what because I, because what I wanted was fantasy Futurama, mm-hmm. but it's a little more serialized than I expected it to be. So that kind of threw me. Mm-hmm. But I might. I, 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 I think with, with the proper expectations, I might. I might um, pop back into that and give it a shot because I, I did. I did enjoy what I saw. Yeah, really good characters. Lucy is the best, and John DiMaggio is in that one too. I love a good John DiMaggio insert because his voices are just great. <laughs> They're my fave. All right. As for me, the the heteronormativity and the unrealistic expectations and these this group of rich kids and their attitudes, the fat phobia slash fat shaming of Monica, the lesbophobia in that the show makes the lesbians the butt of the jokes. Um, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. And on top of that, it's genuinely not that funny. Like, again, I chuckled maybe a few times, maybe blew some extra air out of my nose a couple times. Like... It, yeah, it's, it's a you know that, that I've I, I've I've said it before you know just the, the it went a long time. There were definitely there had to have been like talented people working behind it. When a show when a, when a comedy goes for that long, even like even if it's like terrible, it is occasionally going to accidentally be good. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like just just as just as a fluke, like just the, the the stats are against it being uniformly awful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm going to say one out of five stars. The one star is Phoebe. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I do. Like, I do. I think I think I, I think I put um, Chandler and Monica in that, too. I think that they bring a lot of good energy to the show. Mm-hmm. And honestly, yeah, they, they if I'm getting invested in a romantic subplot, it was Chandler and Monica more than Ross and Rachel because they mm-hmm. actually kind of made some degree of sense. Yeah. Ross and Rachel are just two narcissists trying to out narcissist the other or something. I don't know. Yeah, and 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 it, it's like, it's like I said, their their relationship wouldn't irritate me so much um, if it was just like, okay, well, the two of us are gonna get married, and be like, okay, great, yeah, do that, and then go take your crap over there, <laughs> so I don't have to see you. Leave the show. But, uh, but 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 now but now it irritates me because now there's a there's a there's a, there's an unwilling and unconsenting victim in all of this now because they had that kid mm. halfway through the show. Yeah, and um, that's a factor now. I am that, also... that, that kid is now in that dynamic, and I, I can I can already picture if they did a Friends revival, I, I, I can already picture like their teenage, their teenage, um, their teenage, um, teenage child. I don't remember if it was a if it was a boy or a girl. It doesn't really matter, but 
they but, but the, the, like 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 Ross and Rachel getting weird and competitive about like what advice they give the kid. Or oh something. my god! You know, I, I, I can I, I can see it, and like I'm like they're gonna be like, haha, isn't this funny? They're doing this to this kid, and I'm gonna say no. No. No, it's not. It's awful. No, because I too am an unwilling and un. Uh... What is, yeah, I'm an unwilling participant in my parents' dynamic, and that's not fun <laughs> to, to make things, to end things on a sad note. <laughs> so, I think with our uh, first roundly negative, <laughs> negative review of the season, that will, that will wrap up episode 16 of Rerun Shuffle. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, my next choice. Uh, Psych, Season 4, Episode 4, The Devil's in the Details and in the Upstairs Bedroom. Uh, that, one, that, one's a, that one's an episode about um, there is a, a, um, a girl at a Catholic, at a, at a Catholic school um, uh, seemingly commits suicide. But it then, but um, but but because it's a religious environment, there 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 are rumblings that perhaps the devil is involved. Oh, I see. Okay. And um, so yeah, it's a it's a, it's an episode. It's an episode that kind of gets a little bit into uh, religion and stuff. But uh, I, I've I've actually watched I've actually watched and done my notes for like half of it. It's a lot. It's it's a lot. Psych Psych's a weird show. Psych get, Psych is not afraid to get dark when it comes to the deaths and the murders, but. The humor, the humor, the humor always, um, always, always kind of, always kind of shines through, and, and 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 they know how to keep them separate. Like nobody's making jokes after someone died, or if someone died in front of them or something. That's good. But like 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 what'll happen is you'll see you'll see the death happen, and then like it'll like transition to like the next morning, and that's when Sean and Gus show up, and they're and they're and they're and and they're bantering. Okay, it sounds pretty ba- uh, balanced then. It's it, it it is it is very balanced, and cool. and and the joke and the jokes are never on the 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 people who died or the family of the people who died. It's always just honestly the jokes on the cops most of the time. Oh yes, oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the yeah, he's very um, especially like the main detective that that they, that they work with, um, um, Detective Lassiter, also mm-hmm. known as Lassie. Lassie. Um, <laughs> he gets he gets a lot of crap because he's like super stuffed shirt. Mm, and um, Sean and, and and Sean Spencer is a very uh, you know Bill Murray and Stripes kind of character. <laughs> Love that. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's like psych is a psych is a um, psych is something to unpack because it because it I mean I mean it's a procedural mystery show so it, there's some darkness but as a whole it's it's a really it's a really good like easy to digest comfort show. Hmm. Lots of lots of really good jokes. It's almost a sitcom but also a drama. <laughs> Oh, that's going to be interesting then. It's a, it's a really, it's a really, um, it's a really entertaining show. So I, I'm, I'm excited to dive into that next week. Uh, so make sure you keep an eye on the Viewpoints Network. Uh, we're continuing to build an experiment between now and June. Uh, we've got some ideas. Not, still not, quite, still not quite ready to announce those, but we're excited about them. Uh, if you like what you just heard, make sure to tell your friends or leave us a rating and review wherever you found us to spread the word. Uh, make sure to check out our website. Uh, we are a school-based newspaper, so uh, check out viewpointsonline.org, and you can get all of our stories before they get printed. Mm-hmm. Or, and you can also find us on Facebook, Riverside City College Viewpoints, as well as on Twitter and Instagram at RCC Viewpoints. Uh, if the people were to look to find uh, you personally, Leo, where could they do that? 
They can't. I am imperceivable. <laughs> I'm, off um, the, I'm off the grid. <laughs> don't go back to the previous episodes. I am not male or female, so I, I, I guess I don't exist. Uh, no, uh, if y'all want to find me, you can look me up on Twitter and Instagram. My at is Chupacabral. That is Chupacabra with an L and an underscore at the end, all lowercase. Uh, where can the people find you, Tim? Uh, they can also find me on Twitter and Instagram, and that is at Tim. That is spelled N-A-C-E-Y. And I think that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you.